Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show, returning to the air this week in spite of almost unbelievable popular demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight. And joining me in the studio is the hardest working man in show business. It's Tony Kerr. Is this show business? I mean, what else is it if it's not? I mean, what is show business if this is not it? Well, if this is show business... Then it's no business I want to be involved in. <laughs> well, there's no business like <laughs> show. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be back, isn't yeah, it? Isn't it's, it? Uh, Everyone's delighted. It's been a little while. We've had a little break. It's been a couple of months since we last met. Yeah, how have you been? I've been fine. I, it's the listeners I worry about. I hope the listeners have all survived. I hope they've all coped. They'd better bloody well have not started listening to Switch It or uh, anything like that. They've probably just, you know, they've probably all just been up in their bedrooms, haven't they? Just listening to the Smiths, <laughs> cutting up flowers and, uh, you know, remembering all the good times. We had to do a lot of thinking, didn't we, after that Ashes series? A lot of soul searching. Yeah, a lot of long afternoons lying down in a dark room, listening to the Smiths. <laughs> yeah, just sort of staring trying at... Not to, here's one for you, saying. Listening to the Smiths, trying not to think about Steve Smith. You know, because that was, it was bad memories, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, just listening to depressing music and, and staring at the scorecard. You didn't seem to enjoy that gag as much as uh, <laughs> no, I expected no. you to. I, would, I, I expected better off the back of several weeks off. <laughs> well, that was just off the cuff. I mean, I've got, you know, eight pages of gags here that I've pre-prepared, so... That's what people come for. <laughs> Where have you been and what have you been up to? Well, we just needed a break, didn't we? We'd, it'd been a, a hectic schedule. Christmas had really taken it out of us. You particularly yeah. were looking very tired <laughs> at the, uh, come the sort of second week of January. Uh, yeah, I don't know what we've been doing. We've just been pottering, really. But we thought it was a, you know, an ideal opportunity just to take a little break ahead of what is going to be a busy old spring and summer. Well, this is it. The summer starts now, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is the official start of summer. It may not feel like it's own. I mean... I don't know if you can believe this, but they give it snow again for the weekend here. So very much, very much not the summer. Well, fortunately, you've still got some glorious kind of cricket to watch from uh, the other side of the world. We've got, and we've really got a lot to talk about, haven't we? Because we, we needed a break, but cricket doesn't stop, does it? There's been loads, actually, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely loads. England have been playing loads of ODIs. They've got a test series against New Zealand coming up. And there have been some test matches in South Africa. Lots of other talking points. Uh, so we might talk about some of those talking points tonight. Where, where should we start? Should we start with England? Go for it. Since we last spoke, as I say, they've played a whole heap of, of white ball cricket. Ten ODIs across two series, one in Australia and one in New Zealand. And quite a few T20s in the middle of that as well, which they didn't do very well in. Uh, so I'm just going to round up the action now. I thought we could go blow by blow through uh, each of these games. So starting with the first ODI against Australia. That was in, uh, where was that? Oh, this is not a good start, is it? <laughs> no, that was a joke. That's another one of my gags that I've got here, Tony. That's uh, we're halfway down page one now. Oh, <laughs> it's going to be a, a long summer. Both of these ODI series have been pretty entertaining, I think, especially from an English point of view, uh, because England ran out winners in both. They beat Australia pretty comprehensively. Well, pretty comprehensively in terms of the scoreline, wasn't it? It finished four-one, but actually most of those games. Uh, were quite close, came down to some some very close finishes, but they, in the end, England comfortable winners. They raced into that 3-0 lead and then won the final ODI as well. The series in New Zealand was much more ebb and flow. It came down to a decider in Christchurch, uh, but England won that handsomely. New Zealand batting first could only muster 223 all out uh, with three wickets for Chris Wokes and three wickets for Adil Rashid. 
Uh, and then England knocks off the runs inside 33 overs with Johnny Bairstow smashing 104 from just 60 balls. And they got to the target with seven wickets in hand. So yeah, that was a very uh, one-sided game. But before that, it had been a pretty close series. What have you made of all this then, Tone? For an England fan, it's been somewhat more enjoyable than what came before it this winter, hasn't it? Yeah, well, considerably. There's been some really good performances. I, th- I think I've seen a few people sort of making the point over the last few weeks that it's like slightly unfortunate that England seems to be really good now in the uh, the only format that no one really cares about. Uh, I've actually grown more fond of the ODI in recent times. I think if you if you went back and listened to our uh, our chatter. Uh, if you monitored the chatter from a few years ago, we would probably be slagging ODIs off. Our early work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've we, we've done a bit of a full circle on it. But you get a whole, whole match in a day, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Not to sort of you know, put it in two simple terms. It's or... brilliant, this one-day cricket, isn't it? You get lots of cricket in one day. You but get a hang- whole day of cricket, you get a result, you get some nice long innings. Yeah, and you get hundreds, don't you, and and potentially five wicket hauls, and th- which feels like proper cricket. Whereas, as we talked about before in a T20, sometimes it's hard to get like too excited about someone scoring a 40 or something. But is it mainly, is the main reason that you've come round to ODI cricket because England are suddenly good at it? Pretty much. I think subconsciously that's where it, that's where it comes from. Uh, I mean, th- these sort of long tours, you know, off the back of the ashes, that was a long, uh, a long old slog. I, th- I think now England have played 25 matches on this tour in total. Uh, obviously, some warm-up games in there, but it do- everything does sort of start to get a bit lost by the end, doesn't it? You sort of you lose track of, what, you know, there's just sort of cricket scores coming at you at a seemingly unstoppable rate. The players kind of coming and going, the, the T20s. I mean, that, that sort of tri-series probably won't remember huge amounts about that. Uh I mean, obviously, there was that Australia chase, the second biggest chase of all time, which was pretty significant. But I think, yeah, there's been lots to enjoy from an England perspective. Obviously, anything uh, anything that wasn't a categoric defeat would have been enjoyable compared to what came before. But particularly, you know, the former Johnny Bairstow has been fantastic and, and you know, really exciting to see. You know, Ben Stokes back in the fold as well. I see he pleaded not guilty, didn't he, in court the other day, so... Uh, am I right saying the trial is something like August? August the 6th, is yeah, it? August so, the 10th, around that. Uh, yeah, it's got a little way, that, that story's got a little way to go, hasn't it? Uh, but, you know, good, from a cricketing perspective, good to see him back in the side and, and kind of giving his all. So, yeah, no, I think it's uh, I think it's been a nice tonic for, for England supporters. You know, I've had, I've had some nice evenings watching the cricket. Now, when, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but sort of looking onto the, the test series, uh, you know, it's been easy to forget England's issues, test issues. I think it, it's covered over the cracks of it the last few weeks, which is good and, you know, which we all kind of needed. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see now and to talk about the, the issues that, that are still there ahead of what is a massive summer. You said a lot of things there, Tony. You, kind of, you, kind of, <laughs> yeah. you kind of swept through like my yeah. whole agenda in uh, <laughs> in the space of about a minute. Um, so let's try. Well, anyway, and, there we go. So we'll be back in three months <laughs> to do it all again. Let's try and unpack some of that, shall we? As my my university lecturers would say. Um, not that I'm still at university, but um, yes, still, still dressed like you are. Uh, hey. What does that mean? Took me a few seconds to come up with that. What does that mean? <laughs> what, what are you trying to say? just I don't know just like really cool like scruffy. a kind of cool hip student scruffy <laughs> <laughs> yes i agree with much of what you said there tone you, you said it's been a nice tonic and you also said one of the other things you said was that you're really loving 50 over cricket at the moment i think this 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 series this 50 over series in new zealand has been cracking viewing like i think they do do cricket very well in new zealand like just the way it looks on television, these kind of proper old-fashioned grounds. That the the final game at Christchurch, that's just a brilliant ground, isn't it? And the the grass banks, you know, the way they've got it organised with the the thing of like you know every the guys in the crowd who are trying to catch the sixes with the you know with the red shirts on or whatever. I don't know. It it looks fantastic on television. Presumably, it's quite nice when you're there as well. Uh, and it, it's just fun, isn't it? Everyone seems like they're having fun, which you know, obviously is the case around the world, but it, it just feels like a very nice atmosphere cricket in New Zealand uh, in a way that sometimes it can be a bit more pointed and a bit less, it seems a bit like, less like a kind of fun day out 
um, in some other parts of the world. I do enjoy the commentary as well. I think the New Zealand commentators are some of the best in the world and it, it, they sound like they're having fun as well, though a lot of that is the accent, isn't it? Everything sounds more fun in a New Zealand accent. There's a lot of like straight off the muddle of the bit, that kind of stuff. <laughs> And also the New Zealand team. I mean, this, this current New Zealand team, even without Brendan McCullum, he's obviously not there anymore. You know, they, they all, almost always produce good cricket. Don't they? They, they're a very good team and they produce cricket that is compelling to watch. I thought it was great to see Ross Taylor back at the top of his game because his form has been a little bit wobbly over the last few years. But that 180 that he hit, what was it, 181 in Dunedin, uh, was quite possibly the best innings he's ever played. There's question marks about his fitness. Obviously, he missed the the final game through injury. But when he plays like that, he is more or less unstoppable. And if you know the, whether they can get him fit for the Test series, could make a, a big, big difference to the outcome. It is. A, it's a classic of the sort of cricket analysis. You know, the, basically the last hundreds the greatest. I mean, it was a phenomenal knock, undoubtedly, in the context, the way, the result, the, the struggles he was having in the middle. But then people were like, well, that's the greatest. Is that the greatest one-day innings of all time? Well, that's I mean, ludicrous, but yeah. Yeah. People were saying it, though. Lots <laughs> of people said it. I mean, had we begun to draw up a list at the start of this whole adventure of the World Cricket Show of, of occasions when people asked of an innings, is it the greatest of all time? We'd probably have about 150 on the list. We almost need a better way to analyse or, or sort of put into context good innings because they can't all be the greatest of all time. I mean, if anyone seriously thinks now that the dust has settled that that's the best one day innings of all time, I can't believe anyone really thinks that. I think there's a good argument that it's Ross Taylor's best ever innings. Although there was one he played in, I think, Pala Kelly in the 2011 World Cup against Pakistan, which is not the same in terms of weight of runs. But, you know, a lot of this comes down to what's the context, doesn't it? And that's arguably a more important match at a World Cup than than this one, which is pretty forgettable. Really. I mean, NASA said it was one of the greatest he's ever seen. I mean, come on, NASA. <laughs> but to be fair, how many, you know, one of the great, one of the 500 greatest? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, he, did, he doesn't clarify that. I did see, yeah, yeah, true. I did see some people say that it's almost certainly the best one day innings by a New Zealand player. But like, even that is way over the top. Like, <laughs> Martin Guptill at the World Cup in 2015. Martin Guptill at the... um, Martin Guptill most times he goes out to bat. Kane Williamson, Brendan McCullum. I mean, it's... Going back into the sort of the the heart of the post-Atherton era, you know, Astles, your Mm. Cairns. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's it's an extraordinary knee-jerk reaction to, to... to call it that. But it was an amazing innings. It was an amazing It's the same with catches as well. You see it almost every week. So and so, is it the greatest catch of all time? Mm. The greatest catch of all time? Et cetera, et cetera. Ball of the century. Ball of the century, Similar yeah. Similar thing. True. But it, I mean, it was an astonishing innings and that was an astonishing game with New Zealand chasing down what seemed to be a pretty uh, imposing target that England put on the board 330-odd. So yeah, that, it was it was a, a fantastic innings and as I say, it's, it's terrific to see Taylor playing that kind of innings because he, he hasn't done a lot of it over the last few years and kind of reminding everyone what a good player he is. But yes, it wasn't enough in the end because England did run out as series winners. Here's a question for you, Tane. Are England the best one-day side in the world? Uh, no, not... Well, no, hard to say. Wait till the World Cup. It's been a sort of short, medium-term situation of, of England being very good. So they'd be in the conversation. You'd certainly expect them to be... Uh, they'd have to get to the semis of the World Cup. I'd, you know, you'd expect them probably to get to the final, I think, on on current form and with with the assets available to them you know are they better than india i don't know but they are very very good so it's it's nice to be able to talk about them in that those terms yeah india probably the ones who would have the most to say about it i guess pakistan you know winning the champions trophy last summer might have a claim as well but they're nowhere near as consistent i suppose another way of asking that question is is there any side in the world that would start as favorites against england at the moment would it would you start india as favorites if they played an ODI today, I think if you played, I if it was India, it yeah, say India in India, yes. On, on a, I don't know, you know, on a, on a, in England or on a, you know, in South Africa or in, in Australia, probably be pretty split. I mean, you know, as much as we've we've sort of not just us, but a lot of people have put say a bit of pr- pressure on Coley uh, to to do things he hasn't already done, even though he has done a, a huge amount and is obviously genuinely world class and and you know one of the greats of the era. You know, to have a player like that in your side, I don't know 
if England have quite got that in their in their one day lineup. They've got a lot of players who can do a lot of damage, but that that's a you know I think what he brings is and to be fair. It, India obviously got a full, yeah, a, a full yeah. quota of stars. He's, he's but not anyway, the only one. That sort of mental kind of force, uh, both for good in the India team and and you know and it, perhaps to to unsettle an opposition. I don't know if England have quite got, but hey, they they are they're right up there. Is what I was trying to say. Yeah, and I think that's that is worth remarking on. I think because it is. You know, it, we're not quite at this stage yet, but you could imagine it getting to the point where we take for granted how good England are in one-day cricket. It was cert- you know, certainly England winning that one-day series in Australia didn't surprise me. Whereas, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the idea of England winning a one-day series in Australia 4-1 would have been the stuff of, the stuff of science fiction. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty extraordinary turnaround in the last few years, isn't it? Whether they are better than India, it's hard to say, but they're certainly one of the the two or maybe three best with South Africa. I mean, when Alex Hales can't get in the starting 11, you know you've got a pretty good team, haven't you? It's a tricky one because, like you say, Bairstow's been absolutely sensational, 200s in this series. There's no dropping him now. So there's a real conundrum about who you leave out because a lot of people were questioning the decision to, to leave out Hales. But, I mean, who do you leave out? Because, really, there's only four specialist batsman positions. And, yeah, one of them now is Bairstow. One of them is Joe Root. One of them, Owen Morgan, the captain. So it is between Roy and Hales, isn't it? And they've both been sensational. It's a very tough call. It's one of those things, isn't it? I think you, you, you know, you've got to, when the time comes, pick players on form. You know, we'll see what happens ahead of the World Cup. Uh, certainly, at the moment, Bearstow has nailed it down. But you know, things things change. You know, maybe a gap emerges down the order, and Bearstow slots back in there. I know. You know, it's nice that he's kind of uh, he's settled into that role because he has been juggled around a bit. But that probably will count against him in the future, as and when you know other situations change, he may have to move again because he can battle because he can and he has. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, well that's true. But he he seems to be making that that opener slot his own at the moment. And some of, like that innings at Christchurch, yeah, hundred off what sixty balls. Some of the sixes he hit off um, Ish Sodi the cleanness of the hitting was just incredible. It just sounded amazing coming off the bat. It was a really terrific innings to watch. Arguably the greatest one-day innings of all time. <laughs> the bowling as well. Chris Wokes, 10 wickets building on uh, the five he took in Australia in those early years. And he uh, was brilliant with the bat in that series as well, a couple of half centuries. It's a shame he wasn't picked for the Ashes, wasn't it? Because he, you know, England could really have done with a, an all-rounder like that. Um, and speaking of all-rounders, there's a, there's a lovely balance to this team, isn't there? And I'm not talking about Gary. There's a really nice feel about it. They've got a nice depth to both the bowling and the batting. Six genuine bowling options uh, and batting all the way down to number 10 in Adil Rashid. And so, yeah, it's just it's just a very settled and uh, well-balanced team. You've mentioned it already. One of the things you mentioned in your, uh, your mishmash of a opening gambit. It was a very effective intro, I thought. <laughs> really. Introductory paragraph. Ben Stokes is back. Uh, obviously he missed the Ashes he wasn't selected wasn't considered for selection for the Ashes but is now back for this tour he was picked after being charged uh, and is yeah now the trial date has been set and he's pleaded not guilty what did you think about that I mean it, it, some people have been questioning the the wisdom of that decision to so he wasn't selected for the Ashes when they didn't know what he was going to be charged with and then he was charged with well with a fray so with with a potential crime that could have a prison sentence and then they picked him i mean what what did you think about that is that the the, the right approach uh i mean i'm i don't know with, with this kind of situation i'm sure you could kind of pick holes uh with whatever decision could be made and 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 argue that the other one should have been i, I don't know I, I mean i don't have any issue with it i don't think there's been that much uproar about it he has pleaded not guilty so presumably following the charge he would have said, made it clear that he was going to plead not guilty. So maybe on, on, you know, on that basis, it was the right thing to do. Yeah, and I suppose otherwise it would mean he'd have been out of the side for at least a year and could end up being found innocent. And then it seems like a terrible waste. But it, does it, in retrospect, make it the wrong decision to have not taken him to Australia? Yeah, arguably. I mean, I, I guess 
you know, without doing this series a disservice, you know, it's it's relatively low key. It's obviously much more low key than the Ashes. Low profile. Yeah, I mean, it's still international cricket, uh, but as far as the profile of series goes, it's pretty low, isn't it? So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have an issue with it. They'll be pleased to hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he was packing his bag <laughs> just in case he did have an issue with it. But you can stay, Ben. It's all right. England's enormous success in white ball cricket over the last few years has obviously, on the face of it, been great news. Uh, but there are increasing concerns about whether it's having a a knock-on negative effect on the test team. So since we last spoke, there's been quite an eye-catching development that a, a couple of players in this team, namely Alex Hales and Adil Rashid, have negotiated white ball-only contracts with their counties. So they're not going to be playing any red ball cricket anymore, not going to be playing any county championship cricket anymore. What did you make of that, Taylor? It, it's In some ways, the only surprise was that this was in any way surprising. I mean, has this been inevitable for quite a while? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, there's a few things to this. I, you know, I guess the surprise is probably more comes from, uh, you know, on behalf of people who are perhaps test diehards or who don't want to see the test game eroded, you know, perhaps a little bit of, not bitterness, but a kind of resentment about it. That's probably where it's where the surprise comes from. Anger. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think in terms of the way both kind of, yeah, the, the pattern of cricket internationally and domestically, it makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, obviously Hales and Rashid have only been getting a little bit of a look in for England. It's It's been some time in terms of test cricket. Uh, so, I mean, you know, kind of what do you expect them to do? They're, they're sort of, there's all these opportunities. Uh, you know, England have got successful white ball teams in, in both short formats. There's a new domestic league coming along in England. There's there's all these opportunities around the world. Do you expect them just to sort of sit around and, and plug away in first class cricket to then just be overlooked when it comes to test selection? You know, that's probably a little bit unfair. So uh no, I think it should be kind of kind of viewed positively. Uh for the, the sort of test diehard, the test fan, you, you you know, the the idea that more and more players do this is a bit worrying because it's only gonna it's eroding the pool, isn't it, of, of potential test players. But I think for them and for England, it's it's probably good news. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm genuinely not sure how I feel about this. But having said there was not much surprising about it, one thing that's slightly surprising, perhaps, although I do think it was inevitable, you know, I think this has been very much uh, coming. One thing that's slightly surprising is the identity of the two players that have done it first. So Hales and Rashid, yeah, they've, they've not had much of a look in in the test team, but they have both played test cricket and both played test cricket relatively recently. You know, in the case of Rashid in the last year and in the case of Hales in the last 18 months. And actually both were mentioned as being possible selections for the Ashes tour. You know, Hales was, was really talked about, wasn't he? As someone who might come in and bat at number five. And in the case of Rashid, England clearly do have a problem in the spin bowling department. So while he's not been taken to New Zealand again, and he was probably very frustrated about that, you would think that there's going to be opportunities for a spinner to uh, to, to make their way into this team. So it's slightly surprising that they're the two have done it, that have done it because you would have thought they could well play some test cricket this summer. If it had been someone like Sam Billings, who's never going to play test cricket for England, or David Willey, who's almost certainly never going to play test cricket for England, that you could understand more. But th th that just was the thing that surprised me a bit. But in terms of whether it's good news or bad news, I'm not as convinced as you that it is good news. I think it's definitely good news. Well, it's good news for the players if they've decided that that's what they want to do. You know, it's obviously great news for them. But I mean, it's it's amazing for them that they've been able to negotiate these contracts. And it does reflect the the shifting landscape that their counties were prepared to do that. Although I think they've both said, you know, we're not going to do many of these, but they'd rather keep hold of that that's such a big asset yeah i mean certainly hales was absolutely critical wasn't he to to not success exactly but in terms of the future of test cricket and in terms of the, the future of the england test team i think the, the worry is that this is just the tip of the iceberg isn't it and that you, it will happen more and more and yes maybe someone like sam billings might do it and that's not necessarily a big loss to test cricket but if you start you could start getting other players who potentially could play test cricket thinking, well, actually, I'd rather just play white ball cricket because it's it's easier, uh, it's more financially lucrative. So someone like 
I don't know Tom Curran, you know, whether or not he's like the brightest test pro- prospect. I don't know, but he he is potentially going to play a reasonable amount of test cricket for England. He did play a couple of tests in the Ashes. But he's someone who might think he's in England's white ball teams. He's becoming a bit of a name. He might well think, well, yeah, I could go and play PSL and BPL and CPL and 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 just think, well, what's the point of playing a few test matches here and there, or even a lot of test matches? But, that, but that's probably valid, isn't it? I don't know. Like you know, if you if you don't think you've got a realistic chance of becoming a a mainstay or at least getting a good run in the test side, then you know, it, it probably, and you've got the ability and the. Uh, the reputation to be able to do it, then it, it probably makes sense for those players. I mean, I guess you know they're not young, are they? They're 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 experienced players. They're both, I think, Rashid's thirty That's and Hale's just a touch younger. Uh, and also, I, I, they're not. I think they've only said it will certainly. It's for the season ahead. Not it's like a categoric decision. So, well, are they, I, I suppose they won't be playing much Red Bull cricket if any. Uh, so that there probably wouldn't be any cause to call them up. But I'm sure if if the England selectors down the line, you know, next next winter or yeah, in eighteen months' time, said, look, we you know we really sh- we really want an explosive op- or you know an attacking opener in Test cricket, then you know, you- Hales, I'm sure, might be an option there. Potentially, yeah, but I th- that's that's the thing. In, in the case of these two particular players, like it's not necessarily a kind of devastating loss to English cricket, but it's it's more the fact that it sort of proves to other players that this is possible. There's a precedent now. So, yes, in the case of, of Hales and Rashid, they're both around 30. But for young players coming through, if they think, well, actually, I, you know, look at Alex Hales, look at Adil Rashid, I can have a career where I don't have to, you know, flog my guts out for, you know, four days of championship cricket in April and September. You know, if I'm good enough, I can just get a white ball contract and play T20 leagues around the world and come back and play in the English T20 league and, and maybe play T20 for England. I and th- that's a genuine question about whether that's a good or a bad thing. And some, yeah. there'll be people listening to this who think, well, yeah, that's fine. I, I, I prefer T20 anyway. But for me, and you can hear I'm getting a bit <clears throat> choked up about this, uh, that's quite upsetting because I much prefer Test cricket and I don't want to see it de- destroyed anyway. It, yeah. You know, eroded mean, in any way. I think you're right. I mean, I, yeah, it could have, it certainly plants a seed or it will plant a seed in a lot of minds. Uh, maybe the flip side to that, though, would be. You know, you do, and it, it may well change rapidly, but certainly it's still the case, I think, that the the big names in cricket in England, both sort of currently and in recent history, are all players who have, their, their reputation has really been forged in test cricket. And they're, they're still quite influential. I may, may be wrong, it may be just because of our generation, but say someone like Kevin Peterson... Uh, I, thought he, you, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Graham Hick. <laughs> But yeah, KP, I don't know. I, I, Someone like Aftab Habib. I mean, it's just, <laughs> what a role model. But okay, so KP is repeatedly spouting at the moment that you know, he, he still says, look, to young players, you know, play test cricket. That's where you're going to get, that's gonna, where you're going to make a name for yourself, the kind of name that then feeds into the white ball stuff. Now, I don't know whether to, you know, if you're 18, 19, whether KP is just a joke. You, know, you don't even know really the kind of player he was. Uh, whether he's a sort of like David Brent character that you'd actually probably do <laughs> quite the opposite. Uh, so likewise, Graham Swan, you know, these are players who, or a lot, you know, a lot of the pundits are, at the moment in terms of ex-players are, are players who made their name in test cricket, regardless of how well they did uh, in in like short form stuff. And I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of players who have been successful in short form for England. You No one would even know their name probably. And I, I don't know, yeah, someone like Craig Keysvetter, I guess, was yeah. you know, top of the order when England won the World T20. I know that's going back how many years now? Uh, eight years. Eight years. Uh, so things have changed a lot in that time. But still, oh, I mean, I don't know, is that even a relevant example? I don't no. know. Nick Knight? <laughs> Neil Fairbrother? It's, no, it's just, it's, you know, it's tough to, I, I'm not to sure. know, you know, in t- what are, you know, okay, Rashid and Hale's making this decision, but they are in the round, they're, they're a bit, relatively bit part players in terms of the whole picture of English cricket you know whether that is they're more influential than the, yeah. the people who have really you know if someone wants to become a household name in cricket still in England then you know yeah. the way to do that is is test cricket I see what you mean so it won't necessarily be a sort of like shining 
light that they, you know, that young players are thinking, I desperately want to be the next Adil Rashid because yeah. it, it, he's not necessarily a big enough name that people are going to want to do that. But then, I mean, there's an issue here about whether any cricketers are a big enough name in England anymore, regardless of whether they're playing Test cricket or ODI cricket. Is is Jay Root as big a name as Kevin Peterson or Andrew Flintoff or you know even someone like Nasser Hussain, who who was obviously playing cricket on the BBC 20 years ago? Well, this is a much bigger issue, but. I don't know whether I agree with Peterson that that is the only way you can make your name now. Because even for England, yeah, whether regardless of whether they're household names in this country, someone like Jason Roy, someone like Alex Hales, someone like Joss Butler, these are players who've, who are, you know, in the world of cricket, superstars, and they've if they've played Test cricket, they've not played much of it or done very well in it. I think you can have a very... <coughs> sorry, I'm really getting quite upset. <laughs> I think you can have a very... Uh, successful and well remunerated i never know if it's remunerated or remunerated remunerated i mean remun remuneration remunerations <laughs> well paid i think that's how you pronounce yeah, it yeah just uh, use a simple word very well paid career just by playing white ball cricket and yeah so these two particular players is not you know is not necessarily the end of the world but it's just it sets a precedent potentially well, it'll be interesting to see who's next because there yeah. will be a next uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. If, so, if suddenly someone like, I mean, I don't think they, I don't think anyone who's playing Test cricket currently would do it. But if someone like Josh Butler or Mark Wood or someone who's you know got genuine Test prospects came out and did it, then maybe more and more would follow. You know, obviously this wouldn't have happened fifteen, twenty years ago because there just simply wasn't the the cricket to be played. But you know, I suppose for those players, if they are going to be away playing in this, that, and the other franchise tournament. You know, do they want a an absolutely ram jammed summer as well? Because you know, in terms of having a family, that's the name of one of the <laughs> tournaments. I guess. Yeah. That's one of the franchise leagues. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not that I'm getting paid for that. Presumably, back in the day, cricketers would obviously have a very busy summer, but then yeah, there'd be a tour over the winter, maybe a long tour, but they'd have like spring and autumn and what what. But now, you know, now it is a truly year round game and a, and a worldwide game for players. Uh, you know, maybe that's a consideration as well. Yeah, well, it's quite interesting, actually, that 10 years ago, all anyone was talking about was burnout. Nobody mentions burnout now. Like, people used to say, there's too much cricket, players are going to get burned out and not going to be able to perform as well as they should. Nobody talks about that now, and there's way more cricket, because for the players, they the, the other cricket that's come along has been much more well-remunerated. Um, well, it's going to be big bucks and the new ECB Ram Jam Slam, <laughs> whatever it's called. No, what was it going to be? The, the name's been floated around, hasn't it? Oh, the I river. Don't know. It was something terrible. The big, the big swing, the big blast. No, what it was? The jolly good hit. Oh, I can't remember. Someone, the, someone, let us know. The damn good thrashing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. Well, let's move on. But just yeah. very briefly, uh, you, you know, we will talk about Test cricket endlessly for the rest of the year. I'm sure. Uh, but you know, just another example of of the influence of, of 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 audiences and stuff. You know, just the South Africa Australia series, which you know was, was played out or has been played out to some some meager crowds on some of the days, and that's a, that's one of your top tier clashes, marquee yeah. series. Well, this is it, and this is what I mean. Like clearly, like ultimately, if people don't want to watch Test cricket, they won't, and it will die. And you know, there's not a lot I can do about that. And that, that's, the market will decide, won't it? But I just, I would just think that's a crying shame if that's the case. So while I'm not necessarily saying that this is like a bad thing in the sense of like immoral or something that they're doing this, but I just think, I think it's, for me, it's a bad sign because I don't want Test Cricket to die. And I think this brings it, you know, I was going to say a step closer, but not in the sense of like, it's, it puts it on the brink or anything, but it's just another sign of where we're heading, and that's to a potentially testless future. Um, sorry, Tony, I just need a minute. Well, speaking of test cricket, shall we just talk about <laughs> <laughs> this test series that's coming up and pretend like everything's rosy? Yeah, it's all going to be fine, mate. So it starts... On the 22nd of March, with a day-night test in Auckland and the second test to follow in Christchurch a week later. Well, actually, my first note here, having said we're going to just pretend that everything's rosy, my first talking point here, and I know that we talk far too much about scheduling on this show, and we have just 
done it in a sense. Um, but my first question to you is, should this series even be happening at all? <laughs> you have kind of hinted at this in what you said much earlier, but also, you know, having said about the meager crowds for the Australia South Africa series, I guess for New Zealand, this is like the the highlight of their summer, isn't it? But for England, I mean, it does feel it's been an incredibly long winter already. And it does feel this series feels very much tacked on, doesn't it? Post Ashes, not really sure what the point of it is or where it fits it. What's the context would be my question. And then the whole thing's over in less than two weeks. So is this really the right moment for this series? And is it is it set up in the right way with just two tests in the space of a week? Yeah, and, and not just two tests. One's a, a day-nighter, the, the first one in New Zealand, isn't it? And it so essentially it's going to be utterly devoid of any rhythm or, you know, the players, there's going to be no grip, is there, to get into the series. Mm. I mean, for, you know, from an England fan perspective, it, I suppose the, the sort of purpose is, were we as bad as we looked in the ashes that, that that's probably the question it's going to answer uh you know people talk now about how tours back in the day used to be proper tours and they used to, they used to actually go on but it, you know the 25 matches so far and that's before i think two there's a two warm-up clashes and then two tests so it's a bloody long time and i know some of the players have been in and out and the 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 you know the test players who left after the ashes have you know returned home and then and headed back out so yeah so they've had nearly well, they've had a couple of months. Ahead, yeah, they? I think Almost it's as long a break as us. Yeah, I think it's only Bayless, isn't it, who, who's been doing the whole thing. You know, which probably explains kind of some of his comments. Over he sounds the really fed he up. Does doesn't sound, he? He's pretty cranky now. <laughs> uh, he's like, "Oh, what? You know, we shouldn't even play T <laughs> Twenty internationals. Yeah. I mean, what? We shouldn't even play Test. Well, why are you shouldn't playing Test cricket for? <laughs> doing this? Come on, it's so boring. He is probably sick of it by now." Uh, but but yeah yeah it's a funny old one isn't it it's, it's yeah I, I don't know I'm, I'm struggling to justify it <laughs> yeah well exactly it is hard to justify and I think and I think that's a real shame because England don't go to New Zealand very often was it the last series was five years ago the one before that was five years before that and as I mentioned earlier cricket in New Zealand is a fantastic spectacle the tests whether or not they'll have big crowds I don't know but the tests should be a really great spectacle and it should be entertaining cricket so I just feel like it deserves a proper series with at least three tests where England warm up properly and take it seriously and it's like a an event. Whereas this just feels, as I say, tacked on and you wonder if some of those players kind of wish they were at home. And that, yeah, I mean, I yeah, we've said it before. We've said it before, haven't we? But, you know, all test series should be three tests. Yeah, that, well, that's just, minimum for yeah. me, but yes. But uh, yeah, exactly, at, at the minimum. Well, yeah, and also, this is, again, something we've talked about endlessly, but this thing of everyone talking about how te- te- what Test Cricket needs is context, whereas we've sort of both agreed that we're kind of post-context now. For me, it's not that there needs to be some kind of overarching context. It's that you've got to give each Test series the best chance of having a context of its own. Like, you've got to give them kind of space to breathe make them long enough that it can develop a narrative with enough of a gap between tests that the suspense builds whereas something like this as i say like it's very much blinking you miss it like you're going away for a week you're probably going to miss most of the series and that's silly i think I, yeah i can almost sort of yeah in my head i'm sort of imagining eddie Izzard doing a sort of sketch or just sort of not sketch like a, a little skit about it on stage just kind of running around going like well just you know we do, we do, i'm not going to do an eddie's that impression i'll leave that to you <laughs> i'm wondering where you're going with it but uh but it is like it's sort of you know it is so skittish isn't it it's just like oh what suddenly we're playing five odis <laughs> right, australia yeah. then we're playing three t20 it's a tri-series we're in dunedin we're in sydney whatever yeah suddenly we're playing five odis and he's in oh, a test match yeah and everyone's <laughs> covered in jam and yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. cricket uh it covered is in bees <laughs> it is kind of that like it's just like suddenly Suddenly, some other players have jetted in. A couple of warm matches, cricket, test match. Oh, we're off. That's it. Like, that's, I think you're right. Though. Yeah, a bit of time to breathe, to digest what's happened before, to have a little bit of, a bit of, uh, yeah, a bit of white space on the, on the mm. page yeah. uh, where you can be like, oh, okay, well, let's just forget about that for a few, a couple of weeks or what, a month, and then be like, oh, you know, like, these are the squads. You know, these are going to be the big matchups. These are the, you know, what, but it, I mean, that's just, I guess, the nature of the beast now, isn't it? There's so many things going on. Uh, I mean, if, you know, if you follow, you know, world cricket more widely as well, you know, the, the backdrop of this, you've got the, the World Cup qualifier, which is going on with loads of teams. That's really exciting. 
you know, there's been a, the World Cricket League two happened a, a few weeks ago to, to set up for the World Cup qualifier. So I mean, I mean, there's always loads going on all over the place, but it does, yeah, it does feel like there's not much breathing space at the moment. Yes, and and as you say, it is the nature of the beast, and it feel this series deserves more. But you know, having said England don't come to New Zealand very often, well, if in order to have what I want, which is like a proper series that everyone takes seriously, and there's build up and there's time across the tour, you know, there's time between tests. Well, England haven't been to New Zealand for five years. They basically have a marquee series every winter, don't they? Whether it's Australia or India or South Africa. So it would probably just never happen. So it's kind of this or or nothing. And I suppose I have to make my peace with that. Well, in terms of the actual cricket, if England, you know, having said it feels a bit kind of tacked on and stuff, like if England do feel like that, if they if some of the players don't want to be there, if they don't take it seriously, I think they they could quite quickly come a cropper because there there seems to be a bit of talk, at least in some circles or from some commentators, you know, along along the lines of like, oh, England mustn't be complacent, as though they're like clearly the better team and they just need to take it seriously. But I don't know how true that is. I mean, given recent form, who starts as favourites in this series? I don't know. It's pretty tough. I mean, England have been, if you go back and listen to what we said after the last two winters, you know, perhaps slightly unfortunate in some aspects and, and, and perhaps the results that they've achieved on the road maybe don't quite paint the entire picture. It looks perhaps worse than it is, but the bottom line is they've not won many games away from home in the last couple of years, have they? Or last few years. So it's one test win away from home in the last two years. And they've yeah. lost nine in that time. So, I mean, you know, in black and white, it doesn't look great. So, and you know, New Zealand have got a solid, you know, it's a cliche, but they're, you know, they are, have been consistently solid. They've got some dangerous players in there. So yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if either side won. But yeah, I think we go into it with a pretty open situation. And having said that, it feels kind of tacked on and maybe inconsequential. If England lose, and especially if they lose badly, then it it won't feel quite so inconsequential anymore. Like it will very much pour petrol on the bonfire of England's disastrous winter. I mean, it doesn't necessarily feel like a disastrous winter at the moment because the ODI victories have kind of changed the mood a little bit. But if England lose 2-0, everyone will be talking about the test side again and talking about what a bad situation the test side is in. You know, I, there, there, there is something riding on it for sure. I think one interesting battle will be between the captains, Williamson against Root, both as a captain and with the bat. I mean, we've talked a lot about Root's failure to convert 50s into 100s. I just think he's a class act, Williamson. He's a really great batsman to watch. And yeah, he's, he's, he's very much up there with, with Root and Smith and Cody for me. What would you do about the England batting? The only casualty of the Ashes tour in the batting department was Gary Balance, who obviously didn't play a game. Uh, but with Ben Stokes coming back in, potentially one of the batsmen could make way, although probably he'll just Stokes will just come back in for, for one of the bowlers. So does that mean it's the same lineup? Would would James Vince keep his place for you? I would probably give Vince another go. Uh, yeah, I, I'd probably keep him in there. It's been much talked about, you know, his weakness and weaknesses, and the way you know things just repeated themselves in the Ashes series. But I, I, I don't know. I, 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 for me, he's not quite a lost cause yet. I, I, I think I'd persist with him. He needs a big series, though, doesn't he? he, he yeah, he, he needs, needs a to score some runs here. I mean, if he does it again, then it's yeah. you know, I think you, it's hard to to see any other result. I think in terms of the batting, England, England are, you know, they, they may well be telling themselves, just judging on, and we talked about this on our last episode, on on some of the uh, the noises that came out of the camp after the Ashes, that, oh, this actually wasn't as bad as it looked, and we played much better cricket than people are giving us credit for, and we didn't agree with that. But I, I do worry that they might be sort of telling themselves that the batting isn't as bad as it seems, and it was just a bit of a blip against Australia because Australia have a very good bowling attack. And there is some truth in that view because Australia do have a very good bowling, exceptionally good bowling attack. But I don't know if blip would necessarily be the right word or the right way of framing it because the England batting has been poor for quite a while, hasn't it? And yes, the Australian bowls are exceptionally good, but they haven't done very well against anybody. And actually, that's test cricket, isn't it? Test teams have generally have very good bowling attacks and New Zealand's no exception. Um Tim Southey, perhaps not quite at the level that he was when England last toured five years ago, struggled a little bit with injuries, but he's still, you know, that's still a formidable 
new ball partnership, isn't it, between Southey and Trent Bolt, you know, between them moving the ball both ways. This is a massive series, I think, for Alistair Cook, who obviously had that quite weird Ashes where he was generally awful but had one double hundred in there. Does he still have it? Can he still cut it? This is, it's only two tests, but they're quite, it's quite a big couple of tests, I think. And you, you worry a bit that Trent Bolt might have his number. Cook has struggled with left arm seamers throughout his career. Zahir Khan, that's going back, but uh, Mohamed Amir as well. And uh, more recently, Mitchell Stark, Bolt himself. Um, they've all got Cook out a lot. So that, that's a, a bit of a concern. And actually, there's another left arm seamer in this New Zealand side as well. Neil Wagner hasn't always been the most box office cricketer in the world, but he's been in tremendous form over the last year or two. He took seven for 39 in a test against West Indies in December. And since the beginning of 2016, he averages 23 with the ball in 15 tests. So he's a pretty underrated cricketer, I think. And yeah, with him, Salvi and Bolt, that's an excellent seam attack. He's also uh, the subject of my favourite chant in cricket, which is, Wagner. Yeah, I know. I mean, it is interesting. And, you know, we look, if you sort of listen back to our Ashes preview, the sort of players we talked about as the ones that were probably with the most pressure on them, possibly did the best, although not spectacularly, obviously, because didn't do very well in the series overall. But that pressure hasn't gone off them i mean you know, i'm broadly talking about the, the sort of the new names there's there's still yeah they're still early in their career uh but the players we thought perhaps would have or be more reliable or you know be be solid to to pitch in with with particularly a lot of runs you know kirk root didn't do the job so the, there aren't many players in that team maybe besto is the only one who you would say isn't coming into the series with a fair amount of pressure hanging over them or, or certainly, you know, they've all got a lot to prove. Would you like a quick composite 11 before yeah, we move on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what I've done here, Tone, is I've looked at the, the two teams, England and New Zealand, and I've picked one 11, uh, which in my notes here I've described as a composite 11. So opening up, I've got Alistair Cook and Tom Latham. Then a middle order of Kane Williamson, Joe Root and Ross Taylor. Ben Stokes in at number six. Johnny Bairstow as my keeper. I've gone for Mitchell Santner as the spinner and then a three-man seam attack of Wagner, Anderson and Bolt. So no place for Stuart Broad in there. So that's five English players and six New Zealand players. What do you make of that? Uh, I think that's a pretty fair and balanced summary. Oh, thanks. Uh, I mean, I'm blushing. I, I do think, you know, when you come to your, do your composite 11 at the end of the uh, the Monster 2 Test series... <laughs> yeah. uh, in a week's time. In a week, yeah. Uh, that it could be quite different. I don't know. You know, if England do all right, then <laughs> we'll probably have more England players in. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, you know, I do think that reflects it. There aren't... You know, you look at that squad and you think, well, they all pretty much need to do something. I, I mean, I don't think England have got enough options to change too much between now and the summer anyway, but... Yeah, pressure's on. Can I get a prediction from you? <sighs> it's really difficult. I'm going to go 1 0 England. Really? Interesting. Going for an England win. I, I think I'll go 1 all. We'll find out. We will. <laughs> we will find out. If there's one thing we can be sure of, it's that we'll find out. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Out. Well, moving away from New Zealand, there have been uh, two huge test series taking place in South Africa over the last couple of months. The first one 
against India. I think we did talk about the first test on our most recent show, which obviously South Africa won. They won the second test as well, so they wrapped up the series. But India won the dead rubber in the final test, which was like a a big moment because they've they've not won a lot of test matches away from home in the last decade, really. There's now another test series ongoing in South Africa, and that's against Australia, and that's evenly poised uh, with two tests still to play. South Africa won the second test, bouncing back after a defeat in the opening game. So the the second test has just finished in Port Elizabeth. Uh, Australia bowled out for 243. South Africa went past that and posted 382, thanks to terrific 126 not out from A.B. de Villiers. Australia then bowled out again for 239. Giza Rabada taking six wickets. That was 11 for the match. Extraordinary performance from him. That set South Africa just 102 to win and they got there with six wickets in hand. Uh, yeah, to uh, to make it one all in the series. So this, this has been a really good series so far. So seesaw stuff in the first two tests. But as you say, played out in front of uh, relatively sparse crowds, which has been a bit of a shame. What have you made of it all? Would it be fair to say that these are the two best bowling attacks in the world? And have have we seen that? Obviously, tremendous stuff from Rabada yeah. in this recent game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you've got to be pretty close to that. Uh, as you say, Rabada so effective. It, you know, it looks like he might miss. Is he going to miss? Has it been confirmed that he's going to miss the rest of the series? Well, yeah. So he's been given a ban uh, because he's picked up whatever they call it, too many demerit points. Uh, had, so so obscure, isn't it? He's had all his house points struck off. <laughs> well, so what did he, he gave a couple of batsmen a send-off, didn't he? Was it Warner? He gave a send-off to in the second innings, and certainly Smith in the first innings, and he actually brushed shoulders with Smith uh, during that uh, confrontation as well. I mean, lightly brushed shoulders. Yeah, very lightly. It's been a really, I mean, it, yeah, everyone will be aware, I'm sure, how spiky the series has been. Uh, some really tasty stuff. The CCTV footage of Warner screaming at Quinton de Kock was uh, pretty astonishing. Yeah. Uh, you know, as for Rabada, I mean, well, yeah, it's four 10-wicket hauls in tests now. And given that he's only played, he's played 28 tests, he's 22 years old, his, uh, yeah, th- those stats, are, you know, he, he's pretty close to, well, I think you retweeted something, didn't you? Dale, I think Dale Stane has got five 10-wicket hauls in his career, uh, you know, Rabada's already got more than some other greats of the game, all-time greats of the game. Well, he's got the same number as Botham, same number as Malcolm Marshall. He's got more than Curtly Ambrose. He's got more than Glenn McGrath, and he's got more than Jimmy Anderson. I mean, that is fairly remarkable, isn't it? I don't. It's that sort of crept up. I mean, we all knew Rabada was very, very good, uh, but it's, it's almost kind of surprising that those players didn't have. Didn't get more. Well, yeah, I agree with that. And that's what's quite what's weird it? is that the, the 10-wicket in a match stat is not something that people talk about very much. So in a sense, it's one of those stats that, you know, suddenly people care about because he's done it. But then maybe people should care about it more because it does, you know, it's it's harder to do, isn't it, than <laughs> just a five-wicket haul. So got to do it twice. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, do you no, know I, who's number one? You're I probably agree. looking at the list, aren't you? But it's it's quite extraordinary. And if, if we should care more about this stat, then it does change the complexion a bit in terms of who's the greatest bowler of all time because it's unbelievable how many more he has than anyone else. Paul Collingwood. <laughs> Bang on. <laughs> Aftab Habib. <laughs> no, he's got more than double second on the list. Go on. Matai Marilitherin has 22 10-wicket hauls. Second on the list is Warren with 10. Wow, that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. It'd be interesting to see the breakdown of those. I mean, just look at Rabada's... Uh, I mean, two of his 10 wickets came against Sri Lanka at the start of last year and Bangladesh at the tail end of last year, both on home soil. And, you know, not, not saying those, those are easy to do, but obviously, you know, Sri Lanka haven't been in the best shape mm. of recent times and, and Bangladesh, uh, whilst they've pulled out some amazing performances, are still, you know, prone to, to not being that good. Uh, but then, you know, two of them the one just now against Australia and uh, the other one came against England uh, at the start of 2016. So I don't know what that says, but, <laughs> but I think overall it's bloody impressive, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, you know, what, what a phenomenal performance. And, uh, yeah. Just to come back to your original question. Yeah. When you look at those two, those two bowling attacks side by side. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty formidable. 
What do you make of the fact that he, he's been given a ban? I mean, I know it's it's not just for the send offs and the brushing of the shoulder. It's 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 the accumulation of things. It's you know building up his his demerit points. Um, but uh, D plus C came up with a relatively strong quote where he was saying, you know, isn't this what we want? That people, given the uh, concerns over the future of Test cricket, the fact that these players care so much about it, care so much about performing well, about doing well, about winning, shouldn't we be sort of encouraging that? And I, I don't know. I don't know what you think. Yeah, uh, I mean, I suppose there's, there's two sides to it. The stuff in the pavilion uh, between Warner and de Kock, I, I don't know how much that brings to the game, really. I mean, according to Warner, de Kock made some disparaging remarks about his wife mm. under his breath and then claimed, claimed that he hadn't said anything. That's just a bit silly. I don't, yeah, the stuff with uh, Rabada and Smith, the video I've seen, I assume that's the incident and not a joke because he, he literally brushes his shoulder. It's not mm. it's not really contact at all. Smith sort of slightly breaks his stride but doesn't really turn around, I don't think, to look at him. I don't, you know, he's just probably just sort of letting it soak in. You know, it, it didn't look very bad to me, basically. But I, I know, I agree. I think you, 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 know, you want players to be fired up and enjoying it within, within the limits of sort of fair play and... And some element of yeah. kind of sportsmanlike conduct. I don't think this was unsportsmanlike. I've seen worse send-offs that haven't been punished. Where's your money for the rest of the series? Two tests to go. <sighs> Tough one. I mean, it's, it's pretty wide open, isn't it? Uh, you know, if, if Rabada doesn't play the next two games, then you'd say, based on what happened in this last test match, it pre- perhaps tips the balance a bit f- towards Australia. Yeah, because having said, you know, this is these are the two best bowling attacks in the world and South Africa may be on paper even slightly better than Australia's, but that's assuming everyone's fit and Stain obviously isn't fit. And Gidi's come in and actually done really well, but if Rabada's not there either, then it's you know it it's not the same, is it? So that would be a big problem. Again, it is just a shame. Like I've enjoyed what I've seen of this series, but I've not been as excited about it as I would have liked to be just because there's been so much cricket this winter and it's not... South Africa's fault that there's been an Ashes series, but like, why are Australia playing? Why why have Australia agreed to go and play four tests in South Africa after an Ashes series? I mean, I know why they have, but like it in a, in a vacuum, why have they agreed to do that? South Africa have already had India there this summer. Like that shit. Like that should be one marquee series a summer. Should you would think should be how it's arranged, but actually, like England going to New Zealand and Australia going to South Africa are both a bit unnecessary I think it's just like save it for next year and then we can get really excited about it yeah I take that point Mm. I'll feed it back (laughs) I know you've got your uh, liquid lunch with Giles tomorrow haven't you (laughs) Um, it's be a long one (laughs) much like England's cricketing winter this episode of the World Cricket Show has dragged on and dragged on and dragged on and most of the key protagonists have long since lost interest and transparently started wishing they were doing something else uh, as such, it's probably about time to bring it to an end. Have you enjoyed yourself tonight, Tim? It's been good to be back, yeah. chatting cricket like the old times. Like the old days. Yeah. I hope the listeners have enjoyed it too. We had a tweet, actually, that really made me laugh from David McGrath. This was about a week ago, so yeah, with like nearly two months since the hiatus started. He said, every morning my toddler squalls louder. I want Tony. Where's the tiny Tony and ample Adam? Soon, I assure the disappointed child, but some mornings even I wonder. Soon? Well, we're back, David. I hope your toddler enjoyed this one. It's good to be back, isn't it? And we've got some exciting stuff in the pipeline. We've said every year for the last eight years, but we uh, we have. So there's lots to look forward to. And uh, as if by magic as well, we're both going on holiday the next month. <laughs> but we, uh, we have yeah. etched into our diaries some firm recording dates so we will be with you uh as per our usual pre end of the ashes schedule well yeah pre start the ashes. pre beginning of the ashes yeah so yeah two weeks every two weeks isn't it we are both going on holiday soon but we've got a contingency in place for that and then once we're back it's just bang 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 every two weeks isn't it and there is lots going on i mean i suppose by by the time we next meet we'll have a bit of uh as we said a bit of england new zealand test series it might be nice to have a little look back on that cricket world cup qualifier mm, yeah we want to has been really exciting is that there are a lot of issues to unpack <laughs> yeah. related to scheduling and the icc yeah 
I do love to unpack. Uh, I know the. That's why the, I go on holiday so much. That's, <laughs> I'm now on page six of my list of gags. So, but there, there has been some, uh, you know, some negativity about the fact that those matches haven't been televised. But I know now they're into the the Super Six phase, which is it's as confusing and <laughs> long winded as any other ICC tournament. Yeah, please. There, uh, I think they are on. They are on television, aren't they? There's, there are going to be some huge matches. It's been a brilliant tournament so far. So yeah, maybe next time we can we can get into it more. What have you been up to over the break, Tone? How have you been filling your days? Have you taken up any hobbies or? Anything uh, like that? No. <laughs> Not really. No, I've just been busy. Just working. Just really busy. Just yeah. Busy with work. Just yeah. I've been getting into running. Yeah. I, yeah. That's I've, good. I've uh, I'm I'm that exact idiot who goes for one run for like 25 minutes and then starts describing himself as a runner. Yeah. Like that's exactly what's happened. And then I go out, like went down to Fletcher Sports, got all the gear, uh, you know, shoes. Running is now much more pleasurable to me than it ever was. I, I, I used to hate it at school. Yeah, me too. The cross country at school would be comfortably my least favourite athletic day of the year. But now, yeah, now I do, I, I do enjoy the feeling you get from running. Amazing. It's very, I think it's just we're getting old, aren't It's we? very addictive, isn't it? And actually, you mentioned the cross-country at school. Went running the other day uh, along by the beach. Been running for about 15 minutes. Came around the corner. I was suddenly like, why? There's loads <laughs> of other people running. There's loads of other, like, teenagers running past and suddenly discovered that I was in the middle of our old school's cross-country. <laughs> I wasn't really sure what to do because I was just, you know, I was kind of... In the middle of my run, and I was kind of—it almost felt like I got sort of swept up in the tide of people coming past, and suddenly found that like our old English teacher was screaming at me to get a move on. <laughs> I was really sh- that is like really sure stuff to of, do. of bad nightmare, isn't it? Yeah. And I was like coming up towards where the finish line was, and I was like, oh, "I'll just kind of veer off this way." And then our old geography teacher was like, "No, over here." <laughs> where did he finish? <laughs> well. Second last. Yeah, yeah. I had to stay behind for detention. No, well, keep it up. Yeah, I've really been enjoying it, so I will keep it up. Yeah. Well, another way that we've been filling this void where we haven't been recording podcasts is by recording podcasts. <laughs> for some reason, we've suddenly started doing two other podcasts, Tone. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we're chipping in with one, but we have actually started another in anger, haven't we? Yeah, you mean we, we've sort of re animated the corpse of one <laughs> yeah. which is the world tennis show but we've also started a podcast about film yeah the little film podcast it's worth a listen i think have you been enjoying yeah, that yeah i've been actually although you didn't actually you didn't turn up for the most recent one I didn't but. fancy it yeah i mean the thing is we've actually we've played cricket so i do feel like we have some basis <laughs> for uh like talking about it we've played it at quite a high level as well yeah definitely uh whereas we've not made films but we've we've decided we have got authority to talk about them our level of cricket is literally like it gives us the same authority as watching films (laughs) gives us to talk about film yeah it's true you don't need i i yeah i think as we've proved over these last few years you can talk about anything can't you (laughs) yeah pretty much anyone can do this yeah yeah, well, well, check it out. It's called The Little Film Podcast. It's on iTunes. It's on all your podcast platforms. It's on SoundCloud. Uh, and yeah, we're, we're doing one a month, talking about one new movie. Um, so what have we done so far? Star Wars The Last Jedi. That was the first episode. The Post with uh, Street Hanks and Spielberg. <laughs> and the most recent one was The Shape of Water, which obviously won uh, the Best Picture Oscar. I don't know. We're trying to do it so like if you've seen, you, you want to listen to it after watching the film. That's kind of our thing, isn't it? It's like a it's very in-depth, spoiler-heavy yeah. review. I think from my perspective, kind of it, what I like about it is, and what I don't have in my life, uh, is that, you know, is anywhere to go to hear someone talk about films where you just sort of talk about one film. It's not a YouTube video which cuts all the dead space out. So it's just like some over-animated person mm. shouting at a webcam. Yeah, uh, It is just a long chat among friends about a movie that you've seen yeah and obviously i mean i was shocked to discover that there already are (laughs) podcasts about movies Uh, but most of them they're talking to you on the basis that on the assumption that you haven't seen the film it's sort of like you're helping you to decide whether or not you want to go and see it whereas for me i like to go and watch a movie where i don't know anything about it 
um, yeah, I don't want to watch the trailer. I don't want to see any reviews beforehand and come to my own judgment. But then I like to go and read stuff and watch stuff and listen to stuff, you know, going into much more depth about it. So that's kind of what we're trying to do. Yeah. So anyway, let us know what you think. Check it out. But yeah, it, it won't. It hasn't been the reason why we haven't been doing the World Creek Show, no. is it? It's just no, no. they will exist happily together exactly. from now on. And if anyone was worried, because, you know, suddenly we're doing the film podcast and we're not doing this, this show's not going anywhere, which people have been saying for years. <laughs> it really is not going anywhere. We are, yeah, we've got big plans for the summer. We're, and we're back. We're here to stay. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we'll bring it to an end there, but just quickly to say, I mean, you, you, if you've listened this far, then you know all this already, but we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, check, check out all of those. Uh, write a review on iTunes. That really is the best thing you can do to support the show because it, it, it does make a massive difference in terms of bringing people to the show. Thank you to everyone who has done that. The other thing, of course, you could do is support us financially, which you can do in two different ways. One of them, when you're doing your shopping on Amazon, go first of all to cricketshow.net, click the link that's there, uh, and then anything you buy doesn't cost you anything extra, but we get a little bit of it. Well, a little bit of the money. Uh, and uh, support us on Patreon as well, patreon.com slash cricketshow. Uh, just make a regular donation. And massive thanks once again to everyone who does do that because it, you know, you hel- you've helped us more than you'll ever know. But that's it, Tony. I've really enjoyed this. I've enjoyed it. It's been good uh, just chatting. It's been good to see you. I mean, it's actually, apart from the film podcast... You know, I haven't seen you at all. I know, it's been, a busy, uh, it's been a busy old time. And that's actually, you say the film podcast wasn't the reason why we haven't been doing this. That's the reason why we haven't been doing this, because I just needed a break. <laughs> yeah. I just desperately needed a break from your face. Yeah. Anyway, stay in school, everyone. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time to talk more cricket. Cheery. Bye-bye for now. Can smell your fear. I mean, it sounds sort of crisper. It sounds like, good uh, to me. Just don't shout. If, I, where, if I'm back here, it's not as crisp. Yeah, you want to get in, but not... Yeah, that would be good. Just don't don't pop and don't try not to go too loud, particularly on the intro. That would be my <laughs> advice. We can all hear you. <laughs> it's hard not to, though, isn't it? I'm just so excited. So opening up, I've got Alistair Cook and Tom Latham. Is it Tom Latham? It is Tom Latham, isn't it? It's a good start. (laughs) (laughs) That's against Australia, and that's evenly poised with one test still to play. Uh, The second test has just finished, actually, in Port Elizabeth, which South Africa won, bouncing back after a a, a relatively one-sided... you say one one test still to play? Yeah. Two tests. Oh, sorry, two tests. Uh, I'll start again. Uh, Hello, and welcome to the... (laughs) (laughs) Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 